Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. What's up, Mark? Hello, hello. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Yourself? I'm doing great. Sun's out, bun's out. <laughs> Just, yeah, you know, yeah. Living the summer dream in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Like last week, I actually went to a backyard party. What? I know. Like, there were a bunch of people not wearing masks. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing I've always been wondering is like, when things get back to normal, will it really get back to normal? Like, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, I was really surprised. Like, everyone there was like hugging, shaking hands, like uh, passing a joint around. Like, like things are back to normal. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> that's a These are all things. Yeah, those are all things I thought like would wouldn't happen anymore, right? Yeah. Like, oh no, people aren't going to do those things because that's how you spread a virus. But uh, no, everyone's back to normal. It's like fuck it. Awesome. <laughs> so, how was your week? Did you get up to anything? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing lots of support, and uh, yeah, so like you know, in freelancing, a lot of people give the advice that you know you should you should learn to fire customers like fire clients yeah. like you know some clients are just not worth it i'm just wondering if there's the is the equivalent for SaaS businesses oh sure like, can you can you fire a customer because <laughs> once in a while i get these customers that like they demand so much support wise like it seems like they i don't know they're they pay 29 dollars a month and they think that that means they get a full-time developer on call at any time you know and and yeah it's it's like the 80 20 rule like they take up 80 percent of my support time like, but uh yeah so anyways i think i think that that customer their their problems have been resolved so they're they're good to go now but yeah it seemed like like before i could answer the email i would have like three emails from them like three different questions but like you know these one sentence emails like you know like how does the date field work that's it. Like, <laughs> like no, no example of what the problem is. Like, what did you try? Like, it's like, how do they work? I don't know. They just work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's it? You date? have a date, date in Airtable. Date. You have exactly. You have a date on in Airtable. You have a date in Webflow. It's like the date gets transferred over. And I import them powerfully. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but that's it. It's just a kind, yeah. Just once in a while, I get these customers that are, they they don't try anything. They just they like. It's like, how does this work? How does that work? Or what does this error mean? And then when I'm like answering the email and I'm answering what that error means, like, it is the hardest thing to do without repeating what the error says clearly in English. Like, how do how can I describe it differently than what the error message said? Like. The air message that says that you know that that item doesn't exist anymore. Like, what do you, what do you want me to tell you? It doesn't exist. <laughs> well, which item? It doesn't exist. <laughs> no, 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 I can't tell you that. Exactly. So yeah. So I had that was a that was frustrating. 
but otherwise the, all the rest of the support was fine and uh and in between support i've been doing some deep work i'm uh, so like right now there's two different ways that people can launch the syncs so they can there's the web interface when they go to powerimporter.com where they've they've created their workflow and they just click sync and then i give them live feedback you know that the the workflow is running right, right. now and it and it, the progress bar shows you how much time is estimated and what step you're on, you know, whether it's reading Airtable or whether it's updating Webflow. And the other way that they can launch it is that they can set a schedule. And then when they, they set a schedule, well, then I lock up the web interface so they can't launch it through the web interface anymore. Yep. And then the, you know, the schedule, like, you know, it runs, it runs in a back, like a background job kind of framework. So that's, that's no problem. But now I'm trying to introduce a, a third way, like so people can launch the workflow through an API or also uh, like a public button that you could put in an iframe somewhere so you could embed it on a dashboard or or directly into Airtable. But but now it's creating these problems where like now I got a, you know, your typical problems that you have with async programming. It's like, it's like now, two different people on two different browsers could be trying to click sync at the same time, right? So so now, before it wasn't the problem because I would lock up the interface and I have some protection against, you know, if you, they had two browsers open at the same time and they tried to click the button at the same time, you know, I could protect that, I could defend against that, but, but now it's a lot more complicated. Right. So now I have to pretty much launch the syncs asynchronously from anywhere that they could launch it from, whether the API or a public button or the, the standard web interface. Right. So, yeah. And in typical fashion, like it, it's turning out to be more work than I had thought. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, things are moving so slowly. I, I, feel, I feel so antsy. It's like, oh my God, why is this taking so long? And... I mean, it's it's normal because it's it's very complicated code, right? Like this whole running asynchronously in the background with these long running jobs and providing feedback to the users in real time. It's like it's it's not easy stuff. It's not your typical CRUD application where it's just you know put this in a database and then show me what's in the database. <laughs> you know, it's these long running jobs with like. With having to retry when an API fails, and when you say you're getting antsy, um, are you like go into that a little bit? Like, are you just kind of wishing it was done, or are you enjoying the development, or it's difficult development? Like, what about it is making you antsy? It's part of me just feels like I want to be shipping more. Like, I just like I'm just I'm writing code, and I, I mean I enjoyed the writing the code, but. There's this nagging feeling in the back of my mind, like I need to be shipping more. Like why why isn't this done yet? And and I'm constantly coming up with new ideas for new things I want to be building. But <laughs> you know, the the funnel keeps filling up with things I want to do, but I'm not getting them done as quickly as possible. So it's just there's this huge backlog that's just growing and growing. Would 
bringing a contract developer on, I mean, it's tough to give like your code base to someone and be like, implement this feature the way I would do it or the way I want it done. But like, would bringing on a contract developer be something you'd ever do or be interested in? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's so scary to, to give the code to someone else and say, here, fix it. <laughs> yeah, to have it break in production or something and then just to be like, oh, I have to go investigate this. And you look at it and you're like, I right. don't know what any of this does. <laughs> counterintuitive exactly uh, yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's linear like if you if you get you know hire a developer like you're not going to be twice as fast it's like it's no like now we have to agree on some coding conventions and and document the code more and maybe some automate automated tests like it seems like we wouldn't be it wouldn't be linear and productivity gains yeah i feel like there was an episode of uh art of product about this recently where adam wappen was talking about that bringing on developers he kind of phrased it as like am i bringing on someone so that i can do less or that we can do more and it's just like taking biting the bullet and saying like i need to we need to make this a more team effort and realizing that there's drawbacks to that approach too yeah, I, I just listened to that episode, and it was it was such a good episode because they all, were also talking about existentially, like you know, why are we doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. like, why are you hiring a developer? Like, is it because you feel like you have to? Like, why? Why do you have to? And like, so yeah, I mean, I I enjoy the coding, so I don't really want to be outsourcing that part of the business. Um, I just yeah, I feel like I well, right now it's it's. It's hard because I feel like I'm in summer mode limbo right now. Like, <laughs> it's like I have these two camping trips planned that we're going to next week. Uh, but turns out that the kids, the kids both have jobs for the summer. So they're not going to be joining us. So it's just going to be my wife and I and the dog. So already, like, it doesn't feel like, like all the other summers. Um, and because of COVID, like... I mean, I'd be content to just have my old life back. <laughs> like you know, this summer mode is not gonna is not gonna be as gratifying as it was all the other years. Like, not only are we not gonna be spending it, the whole family together, but like, what am I escaping? Like, <laughs> I would I would much rather be going back to my old life of like doing judo, going to the gym, playing volleyball, playing poker, board games with friends. Like, I want all of that back. <laughs> then once I have all of that back, then yeah, then I'll, you know, I'm going to want to to be in summer mode. Yeah. Yeah. So, and right now, you know, it's really, I'm really in limbo because like I have one week before we leave. So um, I'm trying to finish up this new feature that I'm adding, but I can't really add too many complicated features because just, you know, always a chance that I break something and then it, it only blows up in my face while while I'm camping. Oh, are you going to do support while you're on camping? Like, are you going to bring? Are you going to tether to your phone or something? You yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I'm not like I'm not leaving two weeks straight. Like it's uh it's two trips of like five days. So there's even like you know there's going to be like a two days or three days in between the two trips where if really there was a bug that needs to be fixed, like. You know, at most, someone would have to wait like four days before it gets fixed. But I, you know, there's no reason to think that that's going to happen. Like there, there hasn't been any bugs like that 
in the past months. So, so it's more going to be yeah, like you know, if I have to log in onto the user's account to go investigate some something, yeah, those things will be more of a hassle if I have to do it. But uh, but it shouldn't be a problem. Like I, I I'm bringing my laptop with me, obviously, and so I'll be able to tether and investigate. Well, hopefully that doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm. I'm not worried about that. Like, like I've already. I already have the support pretty much under control. Like I do at most an hour a day. So, you know, I could even maybe cut it down to a half an hour a day while I'm camping. Like, and try to do most of it on my phone. Like, if I can just describe more, you know, give more instructions of how to fix it by phone, then I don't have to go investigate what's the exact problem they're having and and give them a detailed answer to like how they need to fix their problem. I could just give more generic answers like this is how dates work. <laughs> this is how images work. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's it. I'm kind of like in limbo. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to these two weeks of camping, but honestly, like after that, I want to go back to to doing martial arts and uh hanging out with friends and playing poker again you know like I I'm not so interested anymore to like to be traveling this summer especially without the kids it's like it feels like I don't know like I'd, I'd be happy to just have my old life back <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the status on on judo now did your gym reopen is it going to reopen yeah the dojo just announced that they're gonna open Monday oh good yeah, but but that's it. But then it's like, well, I'm going to be gone for two weeks, so I don't really want to pay for this month to like, you know. So yeah, so I'm sort of not. I'm not going to be going this week. And so, yeah, and also I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the schedule that they've set up. It's you know, it's not going to be like it used to be. It's, so I don't know. I might. I might start jujitsu instead. Oh yeah, yeah. We've talked about that. Yeah. Like, but but that's it. I didn't want to start jujitsu because I knew I'd be gone for a few weeks during the summer. So that's that's what I mean by it. it's like this this idea of these summer vacations. Like I don't I don't feel like a summer vacation is what I need. <laughs> I feel like what I need is is my old life back. Like all these these passions that I had outside of work. Like that's what I want. That's very astute to say because it's so interesting to think of what do I want versus what do I need and it's cool to say like oh I have this ability to take a vacation but it's not really the thing that's it's not scratching the itch that I have it's going to be fun to go camping but it's like yeah I want that normalcy back there's aspects of yeah. my life or pre-covid or whatever that I that I want that, that give me that give me that exactly I mean like when when I was doing that all year round then yeah when it came up to the summer i'm very open to like let, let's take a break let's let's go camping instead and let's go on an adventure like you know because then it, you're doing something new something different but now it's like just going back to my old life would be the different thing like <laughs> yeah no it, it's interesting actually like it, it's like when we take a vacation it's like we're, well, I guess, typically when I think about the vacations I've taken in the past, it's like you're spending all this time moving around and you take a vacation to stand still. 
And maybe with COVID, we've been standing still. And a vacation of more standing still isn't necessarily the, that's not the cure. I want a vacation where I move around. Exactly. Yeah, this is is going to be an interesting camping trip. Like, first of all, it'll be the first time in a long time that it's just my wife and I and the dog. Well, actually, it'll be the first time that it's just the two of us and the dog. We didn't have a dog before. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, like for the past, the past six years, it's always been like all of us, the two kids. And and usually we'd leave for the whole summer, go camping the whole summer, like eight weeks straight. Awesome. On the on the road, yeah, exactly, it, it, and it was great because it was very different than the rest of the year, where the kids are in school and my wife is working and I'm working. So yeah, we used to do that. But now, yeah. But that's it. We knew this day would happen when the kids no longer wanted to go camping, and so it will be interesting to know whether we enjoy camping without them. Yeah. <laughs> We were big campers when I was growing up. We used to do the same thing. Yeah. We would disappear for three, four weeks at a time. Um, yeah, we, we would do one big trip. My parents uh, would take the same two to three weeks off, and we would disappear for two, three weeks at a time, and then come back. And we would do a lot of weekends. We had a friend. We had some friends with a cottage that we would camp at, which was awesome. So fun. I, found, I find myself trying to emulate that now. Uh, my emulating my childhood at child my childhood summers at the lake and just like oh yeah i'd love to have a cottage that i can invite my friends to we can just come and hang out and grill some meat and have a fire and yeah like right uh, so yeah after these two weeks i think uh work-wise i I mean i think i'm ready to to start shipping again like just be i guess more productive I don't know. Well, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to gauge. Yeah. I mean, definitely during the during the pandemic, when the kids were in school, um, like I was a workaholic. I was like working seven days a week, like who knows how many hours a day, and so I don't want to fall back into that mode. Nor do I need to because the the product is pretty mature. Yeah. But I have all these ideas that are just I just want to be working on them and. Yeah. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero ideas. <laughs> Maybe you should take some of my ideas. Yeah. If you're looking for contract it- programming, I'm very good at languages that you don't know or don't care about. <laughs> I mean, even last week, I started looking at different tech stacks. Like, I, I don't know. I was just like, I was just bored. Like, I just, I was like, I need to... Maybe I need to find a better tech stack so I'm more productive, so I can ship more things. And I mean, a lot of it doesn't make any sense, like because you know, I already have a huge code base for Power Importer that's in Ruby on Rails. Like it yeah. doesn't make sense to migrate it to a different stack. You don't want to migrate it to Elixir, right? Exactly. It's like no, there's no way I'll be more productive. <laughs> but at least with these new ideas, like I could start from scratch with a different stack the ideas you have are they improvements to the current product or is it more marketing like you can talk about it all like i have these complete different business ideas or or even like side projects that aren't are probably horrible business ideas but i i still want to build them myself i still want to build them anyways (laughs) 
go forth and build. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I guess, uh, really creative these days. I'm just constantly thinking of new ideas, and but of course, I I don't want to. Well, it's it's hard. Like I I don't want to fall back into the the mode of building something, you know, without talking to customers, and then like it goes nowhere. Like, uh, but at the same time, you know, I have something that's working now, like that would allow me to build stuff without any expectations, <laughs> just for the sake of building stuff and and shipping more. Yeah, I definitely found myself asking this week. You know, like, I feel like I haven't built anything for fun in a while. Because um, building is really fun. Like, I, I feel like I've been trying to monetize everything that I do or at least be sure that <laughs> that, I get, that I'm going to talk talking to customers or whatever. It's like, actually, building shit is fun and sometimes it's fun to just build and that's, that's okay. And I'm finding myself thinking like, oh, you know, I've had a bunch of ideas for projects that involve um, OCR and a few other things. And I've been thinking, oh, maybe I should just, like, take a crack at that have a fun little summer project and just like release some stuff like you know FBARS was a while ago build something yeah. fun let's go yeah exactly that's it like when I was listening to the Art of Product that episode with, with Adam mm-hmm. um, yeah like you know like I was I was like starting to daydream and like think like if money was not an issue right like if like I don't like the the thought experiment that you know you're like a billionaire because then you start thinking of what you would do with that money yeah but but imagine you got this magic credit card where you could put all your expenses on it and you don't have to worry about it so it, it's not it doesn't become a question of what would you do with with the money it's more of what would you do where if money if you don't have to worry about money like you know you know that all your expenses will be paid for yeah. so what are you going to do with your time I mean, and I know a lot of people, like, the first thing they come up with is, oh, I would travel, you know. Mm. But honestly, for me, it's like, I'm I'm not the right material f- to be a digital nomad. Right. I'm more of a digital f- flanar. Like, <laughs> like, someone who just, who just stays put and, you know, hang, hang out with friends or hang out at the dojo. Like, I, I like to stay put. Yeah. But yeah, if, if money's not an issue, like what would I do with my time? Like I would still build stuff. Like yeah. that's that's what I love doing. So I mean, that's it. I, I guess that's why I always go back to that. Like I want to be building more stuff. Yeah, it's funny. Like I definitely, I ask myself that question constantly because I feel like it's so good to be checking in and be thinking like, what am I doing all this for? Because like maybe the right thing to do is for me to go back to my old job and make a bunch of money and just figure out a way to retire early and do that. Like, why am I doing this? And it's so funny because I look around and I think I see so many interesting problems just in my daily life. Like I love to garden. I love gardening. And like, I don't have a, I don't have like a plot of soil or anything, but I have window boxes and it's like, Ooh, how can I, cause it's like, Ooh, this plant needs full sun, but this one's needs, this one needs shade. Where can I put the window boxes and what will they look like when they're done? And I'm like, Ooh, it would be pretty cool to have some sensors to understand, like, am I getting parts on our full sun? Or, and then, ooh, can I do a pre-render of what my window boxes might look like if I put these flowers? Can I have, like, an encyclopedic index of all the different flowers? So I can start, like, yeah, it's, I just see all these holes and I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. That'd be cool to try. Oh, I wonder what that might look like. It's like, yeah. oh, I'd never make a red scent. 
Like, <laughs> it's not profitable at all, but it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, if if money was absolutely not an issue, like, I think I would, yeah, just, like, be shipping stuff to Hacker News. Like, you know, like a show Hacker News post, like, have one of those, like, every week. Here's something I built, like... Or I would also love to play with 3D printing or or even CRISPR. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like I, I mean, I I know nothing about it, but I would. That's uh, it's that the new frontier that I would love to play around with. 3D printing is so interesting. I I don't. It, it's a shame because like I only have one project in mind for anything that I would 3D print. Like I, I don't do. I've never done like Warhammer or minis or anything like that because I have a a couple of people in my network that are hard into that just like how can i scan and clone minis and just like print them myself and paint them myself but i've always wanted to do um either 3d printing or like a mill like a cnc milling machine and i want to make my own yeah. sunglasses i think that'd be pretty cool oh, <laughs> oh cool <laughs> i have a uh, i have some friends that um they run it as a hobby but they they make um they make like very well designed and interestingly designed like patio accessories so like their their brand is called hotel pool and it's like the idea of like being at the hotel pool and it's kind of this like luxury thing where you're taken care of and yeah and it's like so they've made a couple of they've milled a few like planter tile things um that are really interesting like yeah i just love that stuff it's so cool my problem is i just don't have any like projects to adapt it onto aside from sunglasses because that's my other passion i love sunglasses it's like other than that i i'm just like yeah i don't know what would you print i don't know (laughs) yeah same here that's why i never got i never got a printer it's like i don't actually have any ideas for it or i don't even know really could you what could you do for, you know, a business-wise? Like, what would you do with 3D printing? But I just, no, nah, I just want to play with it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, I've got a question for you. All right. So, uh, last week, towards the end of the week, so Ben Orenstein, one of the co-hosts of Art of Product, put out a tweet. And he basically said, I'm looking for a, a, a right hand at Tuple basically to act as a head of getting shit done. And it's pretty interesting. Like, he talks about how he's like, I've got all these ideas, and I, I'm i very good at starting things, but I'm not very good at finishing them, and I, wanna, I want somebody on my team who I can lean on to, like, to work with to help me finish these ideas. And it's like what the ideas will be will vary quite a lot. Sometimes it's marketing, sometimes it's something else. There's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of different things that you'd want to do. So I was reading this and I was thinking like because very recently I've been thinking some one of the old adages. So I'm getting becoming kind of increasingly frustrated with. Um, not having ideas, not figuring out what's valuable. Like my my customer interviews have taken a standstill with summer and moving and everything else. And it was kind of that old adage of, well, if I was going to, like, I feel like, you know, people who are senior in the industry or whatever would come out and say things like, oh, if you have dreams of doing something, you know, of doing something, go work as close as you can to somebody in the in an industry that's already doing what you want. Learn from them, that kind of thing. So 
I feel like I had heard this on a couple different podcasts, and I feel like I've been hearing it for years. And then Ben posted this tweet, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I was mulling it over, and I was thinking, like, well, I mean, so I've been thinking to myself, like, I wonder if that's an approach I could take. What would be the upsides, what would be the downsides of trying to do something like that? And I was curious to know first, like, what do you think of this kind of approach of going and working? Like, what if somebody was like, I want to do what Mark does. Like, I'm willing to come and be an intern for Mark and help him market and help him code or do whatever it is that he needs help with in order to learn how he works and everything else. Like, what, what's your take on that? Uh, as the person who would be hiring someone like this or well, uh, I, oh. finding a job I, like that? Yeah, well, I think it was starting finding a job like that. Yeah, I think that that's good advice. I mean, if I think of my first job like working for that startup and working like side by side with the technical founder, like that was a great experience. And that really, that's where I got my first taste of, you know, like being an entrepreneur, like and building something from scratch and I, uh, yeah, I learned so much, and it was, it was very stimulating work, and and I I feel like I was a better developer and entrepreneur after that experience. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I've been so I, I've been mulling it over myself because I've never had that close of a like I, I think your experience in the past is super interesting, and it's not something that I've ever been close to. I mean, I guess with my startup experience, like I was still very removed from how business was done, like. Yeah I, yeah, I wasn't like a part of the business. I was implementing big parts of what made the business successful, but I wasn't like privy to all the numbers. I wasn't, you know, knowing the day-by-day metrics of what's working, what's not, what levers can we pull? How are we making these decisions? Um, and I would do my best to ask those questions, but I wasn't necessarily, um, I, I wasn't necessarily partial to how they got made and when they got made. So when he put up, when Ben put up that tweet, I was thinking like, I wonder if this is kind of an opportunity that I should be thinking more about. Of like maybe there is like you know in the in the name of making progress, um, getting involved with somebody with a really small team with someone someone who I respect who's doing what I want to do. Um, so I was kind of making like a pros cons list of all the things that that Tuple is doing versus what I want to learn or what I need to learn. And I one thing I know that Ben has talked about is marketing is a real challenge for them. Because they don't, I don't, it doesn't seem yet like they have a, cha- a channel that works. It sounds like it's very word of mouth. Um, you know, he has an audience. His team is, I guess they have somewhat of an audience as well. But yeah, it's, he's not showing ads and getting new customers. <laughs> he's, he's putting out some content around like the ultimate pairing guide and that kind of thing. Um, but like, he doesn't really yet have it figured out like how do i get i want more customers this month how do i go out and get them um and that's something i would like to learn you know learning more about marketing learning more about figuring out what that channel is so i'm thinking like oh that could be a, a definite con of like you know maybe going maybe what i need more is working with someone who knows how to market maybe that's the primary thing that i need to learn rather than how to like i say like how to run a tech business but like I mean, obviously, a lot goes into that. There's a lot of skills. There's a lot of things you need to be able to do in order to be successful. But yeah, so I was mulling it over, and I thought, like, all right, well, I'll send him an email. I'll, re- I'll, I'll send him an email. He, he basically says at the end of the thread, um, you know, if, if this is of interest to you, write me an email. Like, we'll see what's up. So I said, okay, well, I'll write you an email. Because, you know, an email doesn't mean I accept a job. It's just me saying, hello, and this is interesting. Um, so I wrote an email. 
and basically kind of wrote a cover letter style thing of making myself sound as badass as possible. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I basically was just like, yeah, you know, I, I wrote a lot of code. I led a lot of people. I've done a lot in my career. And I was kind of like, you know, what are you looking for in this position? Are you like, because at one point in the thread, he mentions like, you know, being technical is probably an asset, but not required. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm very technical, but that's not, it's not what I'm looking to lean on in this particular position. I'm looking for other things. Um, but, you know, like I've proven I'm dependable. I've, I'm, I've proven through my whole career that I've, I'm super consistent and extremely reliable. So, you know, tell me more about the position. What are you thinking? Like, what are you feeling? Does, because I know he's, um, he likes to work on, on, pre- on premise. Like, he, I know he doesn't, he likes to work with people directly. I think some of his team is remote, but a bunch work with him in Boston. Um, so I was just looking for more details of, of what's going on. And yeah, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is an opportunity that, like, I mean, I'd like to hear more about it to get an idea of what he's thinking. But yeah, I, it was kind of timely. I saw that tweet and was thinking, oh, it's kind of interesting. So if we, if you like narrated your, your life journey, like, <laughs> like, how would this fit in to the, to the story like would you say oh i worked with ben for two years and i learned this this and that and now i'm doing this because of it like is it is it in line with what you want to be doing yeah that's a very good question so i've been trying to ask myself that question of because this is not like i do this for three months i learn some skills and then i (laughs) go off and do the thing that i want to do um, this is a patience play. This is come in and do something for a few years to figure out what you like. You know, you add value before you can expect to get value back. Um, and this is part of what I was debating: of what do I hope to learn, or if I do narrate my life, what are the core things that doing that job that I see doing a job like that giving me that I don't have today that would help me to go get to where I want to go and. I think that's kind of it's i think that it's difficult it's difficult to answer that question i mean part of me thinks like what's missing from my life right now is a fundamental idea of what businesses care about like i, I keep coming back to this problem of what do people find valuable and what do i find interesting and i keep looking at myself and saying i'm a developer i like working with other developers i care about their problems and i understand their problems and what gets me closer to developers and businesses who buy things for their developers is a very like that's something i want to learn more about so that's kind of what drew me to tuple of just like well this is a developer tool and the cool thing is that not only is it a developer tool but it's like tuple when i look at tuple i think this is like the ultimate of a nice to have like what are the need to haves that a developer needs it's like well they need a computer they need some software to help them write software and like some other thing. But it's like, what about pairing? Like is pairing critical to your job? Like culturally for all the companies I've worked at, the answer is no, absolutely not. This is, this is so unrequired to do your work. But it's really interesting to look at companies that buy software like this and say, this is very important for how we work and for that, for the growth and health of these developers and that sort of thing. So I look at that and think this would be a really cool opportunity to get closer to businesses like that, that that care about the velocity of their development force and care that that they're doing the best work that they can and giving them the tools and that are interested in, in supplying their developers with tools. 
because I've just never really, I've never really gotten that feeling from anywhere I've lived. So it's just this huge gap in my in my knowledge base. And you know, I think too, like learning more about you know if if Ben is like, oh, I have this marketing idea, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, that's definitely interesting to me too. Of not just like learning more about these about this kind of profile of company, but also like, oh, how do you execute a marketing campaign? How how do you handle this? How do you handle this? Because um, I mean, like, no one's going to come in and know all of this stuff and then be like, oh yeah, I'll go work for Ben. It's like you can just do it yourself if you already knew all of this. So it'd be kind of cool to like. It's almost like permission to learn, right? So yeah, I guess there the real gap that I'm trying to cross is. I don't understand companies that buy stuff for their developers. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Maybe the answer there is go work for Stripe or I, I don't know, like go, go work for Shopify. Work for companies that, that are like this, that have a culture of saying like, how can we enable our employees further and be interested in, and, and have having leadership. It's like, we're actively seeking ways of making our developers more productive and investing in that because those companies definitely exist. Because before this, I would have told you that they don't, and that all all developer software is luxury. Like, why would I buy IntelliJ when Eclipse works just fine? Like, use Eclipse for everything. Like, stop. Let's use open source software. Why are we paying for this when we don't need to? So, what's the one skill that you need to like to continue on your indie hacker journey? You have fucking X-ray vision. I need mean, <laughs> to think about this. <laughs> A crystal ball. <clears throat> I'm trying to answer this question without rambling, but I have two. <laughs> okay. So the first one I can think of is, I mean, the, is the emotional problem I have of uncertainty. Part of me thinks that I can outlearn my uncertainty. So I'm just like, oh, if I only knew this one fact will shock you or whatever, right? Like just part of me is... is has this belief that there's something I need to learn or there's something I learn or something that I get over in order to beat that, to beat that uncertainty. And I can, I can look you in the face and tell you, I know that that's not true. <laughs> I know, I know that that thing does not exist. Um, but that doesn't stop me from like, I have this wish. I just, I, I have this internal wish that I, that there is a fix for that problem, even though I know that that's not true. And maybe the, the fix there is confidence or something else, but I don't know. But, but you know, I'm kind of hoping that, that that would be one thing that I would have, but less fear of uncertainty. Um, and the second is a little more nebulous, I think, that how can I understand what people value? How can I look at something and systematically determine that people find this thing valuable? Why do companies buy clients for databases? Like, I've seen... QA people using SQL clients that are on free tr- free version or whatever, and after ten queries a day, they make you wait six seconds every time you do a query in order for you to get your your results. And they do this. Wow. You're like, I'm watching this, and it's like, did you just not ask for for your company to buy this? Like, this is insane. <laughs> this is crazy. And I look at it and think, is that a problem? I, I mean. Like, is that a, it, I guess it depends on the organization, but some organizations will look at that and say, dear God, we will buy you the thing. Stop wasting your time. And other companies are probably like, oh, he's doing what it takes. He's, he's waiting those six seconds. It's like you pay the Do something else during those six seconds. A year. <laughs> so 
And I don't know that there's an answer to that either. Well, I mean, maybe there is. I, I think being able to have a framework to evaluate what's valuable, I think, is useful. But to some degree, I have that as well. Like, I don't know, we've talked about it for the last few months of just, like, going out and validating something. That's the exercise. Do people value this? Yeah. How are they spending their time? How are they dealing with this problem today? And part of me thinks that maybe I'll learn about this or I'll come to understand the way business is done so I can appeal to the right people. Because I think the example you just gave, like you, I think you're right. There's two different kind of companies. There's the company where they're too cheap and that's why the employee is waiting six seconds. Or there's the company where, no, the company totally would have bought it if the employee had spoken up. So, but I don't think you need to understand why. Like one of them is your customer and the other one isn't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just becomes a question of validation. Like, If you put it out there, like, will these companies pay for it? I think it. it the, I think it's all. It, it's an interesting idea, and I think it, it is a good idea to to go work for someone to learn how it's done. But I also think that it can also be a way to avoid doing it, mm -hmm. like just out of fear. You know, like like you said, uncertainty. Like it's much easier to go work for someone else where the uncertainty, that's their burden, it's not yours. Yeah, part of me is afraid that that's what this is, that I'm running away from, from that uncertainty. Yeah. I think to some degree I am. It's just how, how, um, how willing are you to take swings? Just fucking take swings. Yeah, and I, mean, and, and I mean, there are some concrete concerns. Like, you know, I don't know how long your runway is. So, yeah, like, maybe it does make sense to... It's not so much avoiding the uncertainty, but it's like, hey, I don't have infinite runway. This is a, I get to kill two birds with one stone here. Like, get some income and get rid of some of the uncertainty. And to some degree, the freelancing I've been doing is helping with that. Like, I charged for last month. I felt amazing. I've <laughs> got some <laughs> nice to have income. Recharging that runway a little bit, which is cool. Um, yeah, nice. But it's very interesting to put your time on a on a scale and be like on a balance and think like, okay, well, right now, you know, I, I left full time employment to try my own thing, and I've learned a lot in the process. And and taking freelancing work is not giving up on that, but it but it like it puts that on one side of the scale, and then your time is always on the other side. Your energy, your yeah. life force, and it's deciding where is the middle of the scale is the is it where i want it to be where do i want it to be how long am i willing to wait <laughs> did you ever think of doing one of those challenges like 12 projects in 12 months you know i've never thought of that i've never thought of that i i guess i always thought that like not that they were dumb but i thought like well why do 12 projects in 12 months when you can spend in an order you can spend way more time on one project and do a much more thorough job of researching it and validating it. But I guess that's the point. <laughs> the point is to not necessarily do that. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I also agree. I've, I've always been of, of the opinion that it's, yeah, it's not the best way to go about it uh, because, because basically you're just concentrating on shipping something that month and not so much about validating whether it is a need for it and 
but maybe that's the point. Maybe it's because otherwise you you got this paralysis by analysis and you're trying to make sure, did I validate this idea first? Is it fully validated yet? Like how many more customers do I have to talk to? And But if you're concentrating on, no, no, ship one a month, then it's like you're forced to to do things before they're fully baked. Like, no, no, just, just ship it, put it out there. And from what I've seen, although this might be a survivor bias, but usually people don't make it to 12 like <laughs> around like the fourth or fifth one like that becomes a, a success and then they they stop and they concentrate on that one that's very true which which you know makes sense like you know you throw a bunch of darts at a board and by sheer luck at one point one of them's gonna land in the bullseye like or you do something that <clears throat> triggers i don't know you learn something and then gives you some insight on something else and then it turns out oh actually that wasn't not only did i have that problem but a bunch of other people had that problem exactly yeah often that's what you find like they, they build something to scratch their own itch and then that thing becomes what the next project they launch yeah if it's a question of extending your runway while learning then i think it's a good idea to find one of these positions but otherwise if you could extend the runway by doing like what you're doing now, some part-time freelancing, and then you can spend the rest of the time working on product. That's the, the what I would prefer because it forces you to learn as you go along. Like, Yeah, that forcing function of <laughs> got these, you've got this time, do something with it, let's go. <laughs> There's also partnerships. Like you could try to find... Uh, someone who's looking for a technical co-founder i have so much trouble with that like yeah we i mean we talked about it a few episodes ago being more open to that because i think i am more open to it i just yeah i don't even know how to go about approaching that problem i mean the nice thing i will say though that the nice thing is that as things are opening up and we can do more in-person meetings and that sort of thing i think there's i think more opportunities will present them will present themselves um i can get out there more i can do things i can get back to a little more normal to to meet people <laughs> and potentially find co-founders because you think you, you would prefer to to have a co-founder that's in the same city as you oh yeah i mean that was my instinct but i've never really challenged myself like that before I'm just like it's true i i yeah i guess it's like <laughs> it sounds kind of dumb but like if you screw me, I can come over your house and punch you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great way to approach a partnership. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I guess like I, there's something I, I see really valuable about being able to meet up with a co-founder for a beer or like, to, like, I don't know, to, I want to be able to touch you. Like I want to be able to like hug you or put my hand on your shoulder when things are really hard. I don't know what that means forever, but... No, I mean, no, if if that's what you need, then yeah. Because, yeah, for myself, I think I'd be fine with working with someone remotely. I've actually started talking with one person a little bit about this, maybe doing something together. And then at one point, he was talking about, like, but how would we proceed? Like, you know, do we incorporate? You know, is this a partnership? And, and yeah, I was like, you know, I trust you, like, like, let's just keep it simple like <laughs> right because like you, you think of all these contracts and all that and trying to make it foolproof yeah. but the truth is it's it's not foolproof because it's just a piece of paper 
and then you got to go to court to like to, to you know to fight over it if you don't agree on something it's like i have no intentions of like going to court on anything <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'd rather just set it on fire and forget it oh like, same like we either agree or we just set it on fire like i don't <laughs> so yeah like just let's just find like an agreement where where we don't have to deal with any of that you know either it's, it's just a simple profit sharing agreement or a commission base like or a, a white label deal or whatever like just a simple simple structure where if it doesn't work either one of us can go our own way and like, I mean, I guess it's different if you're like building something where the end game is to to get some funding and to to maybe sell it in the end. Yeah. Then then yeah, then I agree. Like because soon you'll be partnering up with total strangers, so you need to have some some legal structure. But that's usually not the direction I'm going in. Like, yeah, same. I don't want to fucking raise funding. <laughs> no. Yeah, actually, through Fowler's Club this week. Well, last week I talked with someone who who has gone the venture route twice. Whoa! And yeah, he he is not trying to repeat that anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the indie hacker thing now. It's like, yeah, he it says it's it's totally different when you have investors. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, and he said one one of them one of the businesses was like making over a million a year and basically he had to shut it down and and fire everyone and it's like in what universe does that make sense like a business that's making a million a year it needs to be shut down because somehow it's failing (laughs) (laughs) but but in the eyes of a of a investor yeah it was it was failing it was going nowhere no the thing i keep coming back to and even hearing this is just I keep thinking about my inability to come up with about ideas that matter to people. Like, I don't want to make a market. <laughs> I don't want to or create a market, whatever it is. Like, I create a category. Like, I, I feel so, like, impotent that I can't... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe I feel... Maybe I've built it up too much, but in my head, I'm just like... I have no idea what value is. It's like, I go to the grocery store, and I know that I can buy food and eat it. And that's about it. It's like, I don't, yeah, it's like, I, I want to serve businesses, but I'm barely a business myself. Although, I mean, I don't know, like, already some of the, there's a couple problems that I'm aware of for myself, actually. Um, so, like, I, I tweeted about this a little bit, about how calendars are not a solved problem. Um, okay. When I was doing my shred consulting, I had four or five G Suites. Like, I had my, or I had my personal and then my business. And then I was given a G Suite account for one of my clients and another one of my clients. And then I had another G Suite for something else. And it was like, just to be like, so I would send my Calendly out and I could have all of these calendars blocked. But then it would be like, I need a unified view (laughs) of a calendar because like, I'll I'll have a meeting and a notification will come up and I'll get like eight of them. And it'll just be like... Like uh, in the corner of my screen, or and my phone too. My phone, it's like getting a wolf from the office. It's brutal. <laughs> um, so I was thinking, like, the the closest one I found was um, Weave. I think Weave calendar was called. Anyway, 
um, they were just bought by Slack. Slack invested in them and then bought them. Um, so I'm sure they'll fuck that up. <laughs> As they have with most of their acquisitions to date. But it's like, oh, what if I took a crack at calendars and being better at yeah. calendars? There you go. There's an idea. Isn't that how Tuple was created? Because Slack bought something Greener, and okay. destroyed it? <laughs> Your business is just going around. <laughs> <laughs> recreating the things the slack buys exactly that's my business model i'll just build whatever they buy woven was the name of that calendar okay so yeah that's really what was on my mind for most of this week or most of the previous week was just kind of getting my freelancing out of the way and then seeing this and kind of thinking like how can i get out of my own way or i have this problem where i'm trying to understand value how do i get around this problem and I, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we talked about this because I'm realizing now that, again, I'm afraid to take swings, putting a spotlight on the fact that I'm afraid to take swings. And I think getting back to being creative and just doing things because it's fun and not worrying about it being perfect and just kind of putting it out there and having a good time, I think that's useful. So, like, do that. Have fun. Have a good time. Right. Yeah, no, I, I haven't been giving you a hard time because it's the summer and, <laughs> Thanks. and you know, like... You know, but but yeah, I think I think you're you're being too hard on yourself. Like like you you have what it takes to to do this. So right now you're doing a bit of consulting. You're taking some time off to like you know get over the fact that you shut down F bars and and the shred is all all the shred consulting is almost over. You know, so that's that's fine. But uh, trying to find another way to escape it. I really appreciate your vote of confidence. <laughs> I just fucking it feels fucking hopeless. Not like I don't know, man. Like I don't know. Like I don't want to say hopeless because I I'm doing this because I know there is hope. It's the only reason that I'm continuing to go on. That like I know I, I like <laughs> it's like I'm walking a tightrope across a canyon and I have no idea how far across I actually am. I, I don't like. There's, I think there's an end. I can see land over there, but like, it's like the mountain. You're walking closer to the mountain, but is the mountain getting any bigger? And how quickly? How much? How quickly is it getting bigger? I, I can't tell. Yeah, I wish I could fucking wave a magic wand and just figure out and get over my own shit. Or if if that's even what's holding me back, I don't even know. Like, I'm at a standstill, and I'm realizing, I don't know. Like, one thing I do, one thing I I discovered in the past at least was. Momentum is really great. Momentum is awesome for keeping you going. When you have momentum, things feel a lot easier because things are just kind of rolling in your direction. And I'm realizing now that I have like zero momentum. Or it's like, sure, I have momentum like keeping me financially alive, but I've mistaken like, oh, I'm taking a break or I'm doing this with I don't have momentum. I need to get it. I need to fucking get some momentum because I'm just like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Blows. I hate this. Yeah, but no, but I think it. I think it's okay. Like, yeah, no, you're right. Like, you know, you've you you've lost the momentum because you're taking this break. You know, but I think it's. I mean, I, th I think it's okay that you're taking this break. Like that. That doesn't mean that you you can't start over after the break mm -hmm. and start gaining momentum. Uh, what I like to do when I feel stuck like that is to. To do something drastic, like like really change the path that I'm on. So like 
for example, maybe it is to to commit to doing 12 projects in 12 months. Like, like, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, it's completely different from what you were doing before and it's going to force you to do things differently. Fuck, man, maybe that's true. Because what I'm doing right now, I mean, yeah, I'm just at a standstill. So that's it. Like, do something, do something drastic. Do, do something, do anything. You're going to break out. Yeah, the talking to... Uh, talking to customers has been I guess you, you're like trying to go really deep and understand understand why companies buy stuff and how to create value but I think there's no end to that to that digging I think you're right <laughs> it's like it's funny too like talking to developers I'm like oh I want to understand your problems and it's like I'm a developer like I have problems like my problems are also other people's problems <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's not like, the, I mean, at the zoo, and, and there's these boring creatures <laughs> that I'm trying to understand. Like, no, we're, we're all devs. Yeah. The only problem I see with devs is that, you know, if, if you're going to create something for devs to scratch your own itch, then what's preventing all these devs from doing the same thing and <laughs> building it themselves to scratch their own itch, right? Like, we, we're, we're really bad customers in that area. <laughs> It's like, no, I'm not going to pay for an IDE. I could just configure this one to do exactly what I want. I'll just write a plugin for Eclipse. Yeah, I mean, devs are that, that like devs are fascinating when it comes to this. Like we just we're either conditioned, well, I mean, devs are like water. We just <laughs> we flow to the path of least resistance. So it's like you hired some problem solvers to solve problems. So you a hammer. So to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> yeah. I need an IDE that lets me write Java better, faster. Well, I'll just write one, or I'll improve the one I already have. It's like that's not exactly. what I hired you to do. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's the big difference when you're building stuff for developers to scratch your own itch. Like basically, ninety-five percent of them are going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> They're going to scratch their own itch and build something themselves. And you see it all the time on Hacker News. When someone posts something, the, the response is always, I could write that in a weekend. Why the hell would I pay nineteen ninety nine for that? Yeah. Welcome to the <laughs> fucking audience of Hacker News. Yeah. <laughs> but when you scratch your own itch as, as a non-developer, I mean, you're a developer, but you're scratching your own itch for something else, like, managing a garden or like my first product was a food tracker like then yeah only five percent of your market are developers that have that same problem and sure they're good they're gonna scratch their own itch and write their own solution but the other 95 percent they can't they need a solution that's pre-built the vocal minority yeah because yeah scratching your own itch is always is always a good avenue but i think it it's better when it's a non-developer itch i guess i i go towards developer just because i know them so well like i don't know i, mean, I think i have a i have my experiences are valid it's a it's a desire to stand up from my own experience from my own time in the field and it's like yeah i totally know you and your pain and, and the things you worked on and this is like a testament to that unfortunately it's like we're fickle ass people who just want to build it all themselves and don't respect the value of their time yeah Okay, I think the main takeaway for me here is I need to 
I want to build something small that I find really fun. And I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Oh, yeah? Um, one of my original ideas before I left my job was around OCR and doing OCR and images and that kind of thing. Um, and I think that could be fun. Like tackling... I, I wrote like a really small POC thing using an interesting OCR JavaScript library. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll do some... Yeah, maybe I'll try some OCR stuff in the browser. I, I could do something like a Slack extension, maybe. I've got a bunch of ideas around like interesting applications of OCR. So maybe I'll do something real small, launch it, and see what happens. Cool. Yep. I'm sure I've, I've seen some people in the no-code forums needing OCR for something. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I think one thing was a invoices. Like, they wanted to be able to, to like, use Zapier to, like, when you get an invoice to go extract some like the total of the invoice or oh, name of the vendor yeah i mean <laughs> invoices are brutal like invoices and receipts yeah. are the two like oh man like did you hear this is a few years ago but uh what was the name of that uh they were they were like an expensify expensify was the one yeah they, they, uh, you can like take your receipts and email them to your like Expensify account, and it'll take them and air quotes perform OCR or use their AI or whatever, <laughs> and enter the expenses for you. And really, what that means is they take all your expense reports and feed them to the Mechanical Turk, <laughs> and Mechanical Turk, <laughs> Mechanical Turk takes them and digitizes them for you. Um, yeah, and invoices are extra tricky because like sometimes they're laid out weird or like what's the final sum it's hard to know and that kind of thing um but even if you like even if the invoices looked a certain way a certain uniform way you could highlight a part and be like this is where the total is this is where i want you to perform ocr yeah you could have mechanical turk for people to identify the regions that are important Mm -hmm. And then once it's been identified after that, it's automatic, it's automatic for that invoice provider. Yeah, that'd be pretty interesting, actually, to then, even if somebody, like, changed the layout of an invoice or something like that, to be able to be like, well, I can tell you that this invoice is meaningfully different from this invoice um, in format or something like that, to be able to say... I can no longer scan this area, or I need to re-verify that we want to scan this area. Or I actually have no idea how much Mechanical Turk costs. So maybe it's like you just do it for every invoice. I don't know. Yeah, you could. I mean, I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've looked at it, but it was like five cents a job, like something like that. I think for like nice. That, that might be the floor. Like I think you can't charge less than that. But yeah, that sounds like a a good idea like so, something different yeah like, something fun to just yeah to just release something and uh, yeah I mean your first your first goal could just be to to be that guy that guy that's building in public mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's a great point okay okay I think this is I think I have a direction at least I have a I have a week long experiment or a two week experiment that I can begin running cool so this week you're prepping for your camp- camping trip. You're gonna do some more deep work and then head off for vacation for a little bit. Yeah, like this one feature, I, I, I wanna be able to have all these async buttons everywhere that people can launch mm-hmm. syncs from. And uh, there's a few other things that I would, I would like to do before I leave. 
because I think they might actually reduce the amount of support emails I get while I'm gone. But it's a fine balancing act. Like, I don't want to introduce any new bugs. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. So yeah, so I don't think those, there's going to be any podcast episodes for me in the next two weeks. Yeah, I I might hunt around to see if uh, there's some guests. I know there's some people I'd like to approach right. as guests. Yeah, for sure. Um, so maybe you'll see something, and I mean, I guess it's maybe it's short notice to get guests. I don't know. I I mean, I've got some I've got some people in mind. It'll give me something to listen to while I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Find someone really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got Rob Walling on the podcast. That's crazy. How interesting. <laughs> Jason Cohen came on. And crazy. That, right. Exactly. And that's it. Mark never comes back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, we have a couple mutual friends I think might be interesting to have on. Some people from the meetup. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, no. From Founders Club, there's definitely lots of interesting people. Okay, cool. Should we wrap it up? Yep. Uh, sounds good. Have an awesome camping trip, vacation, time away. Get some, get some rest, but don't also don't get rest. Spend, spend time moving your body. <laughs> yes, I do. I do plan on doing some kayaking and and hiking. Cool. Awesome. Sounds good. So yeah, have a great week. Yeah, yeah. You too. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.